I'm Speech Thomas from the hip-hop crew Arrested Development. On the new VPM podcast, Track Change, I take you behind the walls of Richmond City Jail, where I help four men record an album and hear how they're trying to break free from a cycle of addiction and incarceration. Been so long since I've been free. Subscribe to Track Change in your podcast app. I'm Ahmed Badr. You're listening to Resettled. Hamdullah Nouri's friends just call him Nouri. He says that when he introduces himself to Americans as someone from Afghanistan, they get nervous. You know, it's a little bit scary for them when you say oh, that you are from Afghanistan. You feel like they are a terror people. It's kind of misunderstood. And that's why he's taken it upon himself to introduce Afghan cuisine to Virginia. As a chef, I have to prove, I have to bring the culture of Afghanistan, the food that we cook in Afghanistan. And we are always, you know, uh, we are peace lovers. In the 1960s, Kabul was a fashion center. Afghan music and poetry influenced pop culture all over the world. I've been raised in, in a country which used to be like, if you see 50 years ago, Afghanistan was like a Paris. Everybody used to call him Paris. There used to be people that used to go to Afghanistan and get their degrees. And, you know, was kind of proud that they studied in Afghanistan and then now they're serving the country. Nuri says that he feels deeply connected to the Afghanistan of the 1960s when he taps into Afghan cultural traditions through cooking and poetry. In fact, this connection is what drives his mission today, even after resettlement. I always feel myself strong when I show that, you know, we don't have that much time to waste. We're here to, to prove to the world that even we, are, we have come from a, a, a country which has been in, in war for 5,000 years, but there are still people around in, in there which they do have dreams which they can prove that there is humanity alive in there and that nobody can destroy humanity. In this episode, we explore culture through the lens of Nuri's experiences, including becoming the chef of his own restaurant in Richmond, Virginia. For him, preserving his Afghan culture was key to achieving that dream. But integration is a primary focus of the resettlement process. From requirements as difficult as learning a new language to something seemingly as simple as getting a social security number, which requires a grasp of American bureaucracy. When you're so busy adopting new ways of life, it might not seem like there's any room for your traditions. So how do you carry your culture with you to a brand new place and keep it intact? When I'm sharing this story with with our Afghan community, Afghan colleagues, they say, no, it's not possible. How, How come you... You, you open a restaurant, do you have a budget? Where did you get money? From the very beginning, Nuri was determined to show that integration in Virginia and maintaining one's culture did not have to be mutually exclusive. Our executive producer, Angela Messino, picks up the story from here. Afghanistan's history and rich cultural influence are important for Nuri because he feels like he missed out on it. He was born during Soviet rule and grew up as the Taliban rose to power. 
In many ways, he feels like he lost his childhood to war. In the 90s, the Taliban invaded the Baglan province, where Nori grew up. His father died in the conflict. Nori, his mother, and younger siblings fled to Kabul. His mother once worked for the government, but under Taliban rule, women had to stay home. Nori was the oldest son, and with his father gone, he became the main provider for the family. He was eight. He worked for a while in a tailoring shop, and then with a butcher. That was the first time he ever killed an animal. The entire week I could not sleep. I've never, I've never done anything like, I've never killed animals before. And for a, for a week or so, I was really scared seeing the blood in my mind. One day, the Taliban came looking for Nori's boss. He had sold them some bad meat. The boss escaped out of the back door, and Nori was left to pay for his mistake. The Taliban beat Nori and jailed him for a day. He escaped. Nori's next job was working at a gas station. By this time, he was 10. It was winter. I used to wear a lot of clothing because it was cold. And my clothes was greasy because I was dealing with the, with the gasoline. One day, when he was inside the small gas station, there was an accident. A fire started and spread almost instantly across anything covered in gasoline, including Nori. You know, I was, I was all in fire. My, my clothes were burning. I cannot imagine what happened to me when, when the entire store was in fire. He was alone inside the shop, but later said that it felt like he got pushed outside, out of the fire. And then people came at that area, you know, there were other shops around us. But they all came together to put more blankets on me to, to turn the fire off. <sighs> Even though Nori's body was covered in flames, the fire only burned his clothes, except for his bare hands. But my hand was burning. I was, I was just looking at my hand. I couldn't make it to, to turn it off because it was all, you know, gasoline. You can see the, the, the spots in here. I went home and then uh, I could not knock the door with my hand. I, I kicked with my, 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 my feet. My, my mom was like, say, what's going on? What's, what's wrong with you? What, what, what happened? When she saw me with that situation, she fell down. When she came to, his mom took him to a clinic, but they couldn't do much for him. So she turned to homeopathic remedies. She melted cow fat, placed it on Nori's hands, wrapped them in bandages, and prayed. With Nori out of work, the family scavenged for food. In 24, 24 hours, we only could have uh, one-time food, which is only bread and onions. Sometimes when I um, slice onions, it's got a really strong you know, flavor, which makes you cry. But sometimes I really cry. But his mother was resourceful. Nori remembers how she would find discarded potato peels and make a meal with onions and garlic and any other herbs they could find. I've tasted a lot of food. Her, her way of cooking is kind of magic. His mother's cooking had a transformative power. They had few ingredients, but the flavors that came through were rich and still fill his memories. 
Her cooking planted the seed of a dream for Nori, one that would drive him to share Afghan cuisine with the world. When he got older, Nori landed a job in a restaurant. He worked his way up through different kitchens and was eventually hired as a chef at a luxury hotel in Kabul. Later, he was offered a job by the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID, making meals for diplomats and U.S. contractors. But the fighting in Afghanistan continued, and Nori worried about his family's safety. He was married now and had children. In 2013, he applied for a special immigrant visa, meant for people whose lives are in danger because of their employment with the U.S. government. It took two years to process the paperwork, go through the interviews, and complete the medical exams. Even though he worked for the U.S., he had to follow the same intake process as any other refugee entering the country. In 2015, Nori, his wife, and his children were resettled in Newport News, Virginia. When you when you arrive in America, you have to, you will become any, anything that you want. I was I was like, okay, so if I go to America, I I would become a chef definitely, but I would have to have my restaurant. Nori wanted his own restaurant so he could share Afghan food and culture with his new community. With that dream in mind, he moved to Richmond in 2016. But like many stories we've shared in this series, Nori's expectations of life in the U.S. didn't match up to reality. For the first couple of years when I worked into Afghani restaurants, into Indian restaurants, it wasn't possible for me. I was thinking, like, no, this is not the land of opportunity for me right now. Sure, he was working in a kitchen, but he didn't feel like he was getting closer to his dream, opening his own Afghan restaurant. And Nori's kitchen shifts were from 10 in the morning to 10 in the evening. He spent almost no time with his family. He admits he could have found work that was more flexible. But for me, I was like, no, I'm not here to, to do Ubers. I'm not here to, to work in a company. I'm here to, to show the people that we have talents and talent never dies. You know, passion never dies. You just need to work on it. Nori's passion was to share the transformative power that he first felt with his mother's Afghan cooking. He knew he had to find a way to feed that passion each day if his dream was to ever come true. Nori had a three-hour break in the middle of his restaurant shifts. He would use every minute of those three hours to go to the library or the International Rescue Committee, also known as the IRC, to look for resources and opportunities to open a restaurant. So this three hours changed my life. Having three hours during the day can, can bring you where you want it to be. The IRC connected him to opportunities to showcase his culinary skills. And like sometimes IRC used to call me and say, hey, we have some uh, VIP groups that are coming to, to the uh, IRC to visit the refugees. So if you have anything for us to, to cook, bring it over. So I used to make some dumplings and some, some Afghan authentic foods for them. From there, they are kind of, you know, they introduced me to, to people. In 2018, Nori made dumplings for an event sponsored by the governor of Virginia, which gave his dream the visibility it needed. When he shared his story and demonstrated his skills, all sorts of people, some of them strangers, began to believe in him. A former employer offered him space to open his own restaurant. A pop-up dining company offered to decorate it. 
the local newspaper wrote a profile. Just days before his restaurant was set to open, he was talking to a dishware supplier and... I met him a few minutes. I was like, just explain about my situation when I came from Afghanistan, what happened to me. Just took two minutes. He donated 300 glasses to me. Nori found that people in Richmond wanted to help him honor and showcase his culture rather than give it up. By putting his dreams out there, miracles, as he described them, began to manifest. You know, it's, it's all about love. It's all about spirituality. You know, people, without knowing, they're coming and, and helping me out. And then they say, well, that's what I wanted to do. This is, this is my, my thing. I have, to, I have to do this. Back in 2019, I reported on the grand opening of Nori's new restaurant. It's called The Mantu. Okay, if you make a restaurant, if you open a restaurant, just name it Kebab House or something like connected with the kebabs. No, there should be something new, something that never heard before. I mean, the Mantu came in my mind and I just put it. Mantu is an Afghan dish made for special occasions. It's a dumpling shaped like a rose, stuffed with meat or vegetables and paired with a yogurt sauce. As Nori says, if an Afghan has you over for mantus, that means they think really highly of you. Making mantu, it is time consuming, but it finishes really fast. So um, it takes you all day to make. It takes you like 30 minutes to finish it. <laughs> when people come in here, they should feel like the love which was lost for, for a thousand years is coming back. They should feel the authentic uh, flavor of the food that they, uh, we have lost it for years. For the first few weeks, the restaurant was packed. My dream is to open more uh, branches of the Mantu to serve people. I should have a book under my name, the new recipes, the new techniques, something that makes people feel like, wow, this is what I was looking for. My job is to introduce the culture of Afghan people to the world. So it means that when I started from here, that means the entire world will know that the refugee has struggled a lot and opened a space, and now it's going worldwide. I'll be proud when I, when I serve one of these guys to be in the kitchen with me and uh, to represent the Mantu, to represent their country. Uh, to represent the, the culture that was forgotten for, for decades because of the war that we have. Nori wants to restore the perception of Afghan culture to its former prestige when it felt like the cultural equivalent of Paris. So we would, we would need to change people's mind. Now what they think about Afghanistan, that needs to be changed. Just think that people in Afghanistan are thirsty of peace thirsty of love. We don't want war. We're tired of these wars. But his part in that would have to wait. In spring 2020, less than a year after the restaurant opened, the pandemic hit. The Mantu had to close.
Before the break, we were learning how Nuri's restaurant, the Mantu, thrived thanks to his passion and commitment to sharing his Afghan culture with the Richmond community. But less than a year after it opened, the COVID-19 pandemic forced it to close. Here's Angela. Every so often during the pandemic, I got a ping on my phone from WhatsApp. It was Nori sharing a video of his daughter or a poem he wrote. Even though he couldn't cook at the Mantu, Nori still made it a priority to honor his Afghan culture by writing poems, like this one, called Being Lost in the Ocean of Love. It's written in the tradition of Rumi, a 13th century Persian poet who often reflected on the all-encompassing nature of goodness and spirituality. We have Rumi. He's talking always about the love. He says all the religions should, should speak about love. There's no hatred in the religion. There's no hatred in Islam. With the Mantu closed, it was actually the first time Nori had a bit of a break. He'd worked long hours since he was eight years old. But during the pandemic, he spent his mornings cooking soup for first responders. He played soccer with his kids in the afternoon. Nori got the gravity of the situation. He worried about his mom catching the coronavirus, and he was disappointed that the restaurant might not reopen. But he also had time. Time with his children, time to write poetry. But his dream to share these positive aspects of Afghan culture with others kept nagging at him. And then, in June 2020, I got more than a ping on WhatsApp. Nori called me out of the blue. So I'm actually in my car right now. I just got a phone call maybe about like an hour ago, a little over that, from Amadoula Nori. And... He let me know that his restaurant is reopening, you know, with regulations in place because of the coronavirus. This is a very big surprise. They're opening at 2 o'clock today, so I'm trying to rush there to check that out. Okay, I've got my mask on. It's 1.40. It's about 20 minutes before the restaurant officially opens up. Oh, Nope, their open sign is on. Hmm. Hello. How are you doing? It's good. It's been so long. It's so long to see you, yeah. Nori had his mask on and signs marking appropriate social distancing stuck to the floor. It wasn't exactly a grand reopening. You can see that it's not that crowded today. <laughs> the first day, and then we will find out because um, we need to let people know that we are open because they have been calling. Um, I saw the voicemail about uh, 50 missed calls from the time we closed. People are always calling and say, hey, are you guys open? Are you guys open? You have 57 new messages. <laughs> First voice message sent Friday, April 3rd. And then when this pandemic started, I was like, no, I don't think we can do it. For a few minutes, I was like, I was really kind of sad and disappointed that no way, I, I did all of this, you know, starting the restaurant when I opened it, like about eight or nine months, I had to work at least 
18 to 20 hours. I was like, I don't think I can, I can go back and, and rebuild it again. But my wife, my children, they were like, Daddy, we can take this again. It is a challenge, but we can take it over. We can start it over. So um, for me, problems and challenges are kind of um, becoming my best friend. <laughs> Everybody has a different talent in their hearts. Every so often, Nori records his daughter, Mujda. And nothing can take away your talent. Your talent is the same thing as your heart. Nori lovingly refers to her as his spiritual guide. I had a joke with her. I said that I'm competing with uh, with Chef Ramsey. She said, Daddy, you, you, can, you can beat him. You can beat him easily. You know, you are a best chef. Like, my dad doesn't know everything, but I do because I'm younger. And he's, like, bigger than me, but it doesn't matter that somebody's bigger than you. It matters what you think. For eight-year-old Mujda, family and heart are all you need. When Nori was eight, he had to work. He had to make money or else his family would starve. I have to work sometimes to make money. Yeah, but... Provide food, provide a place where you live. But money doesn't matter. Family matters. You need to have, like, more time with family and less time with work, like... says he doesn't know where half of the things she says come from. Still, his daughter's words resonate with him. Like Nori's poetry, Echo's themes found in Rumi, Mujda's advice sounds a lot like her father's. Sometimes the world does not run with money. The world needs passion, love. So once you have that, everything will, will come up together. And as a dad, I really feel proud that I have my four children, and they're really happy. <laughs> they're enjoying their life. I'm really happy to have that. And as for the future of his restaurant? Like, what happens if it doesn't work? Like, what happens with you? What happens with your family? Um, well, my life is kind of the same thing happened in my entire life. I'm 34 years old now. That from the time that I started working, because I've, I've uh, gone through so many things that this is like a piece of cake. A piece of cake. It's one of the phrases that stuck with Nori as he learned English. A global pandemic and a few financial setbacks aren't enough to stop him from dreaming of sharing his Afghan culture with the Richmond community. Part of his strategy is in the layout of the Mantu. In the center of the restaurant is the community table which he hopes one day people will be able to sit at again. It's there so people of different backgrounds can come together over food. This is how he wants people to know Afghanistan and its people, as hospitable, caring, and full of love. For Nori, sharing his food, poetry, and story isn't just a way to preserve this culture. It's a way to preserve humanity, to get to know each other as people. His strategy is also in the very name of his restaurant, 
the Mantu. So uh, Mantu is the short form of me and you. It's like me and and you with, without having that and. Man tu, me, you, without the and, the community together at one table. So what are you doing now? So now I'm putting the um, the mantu into a steamer and let it steam for about. 15 minutes. So to make the mantu, um, we have to have vegetable steamer. On any Afghan families, talk to them, you can say, do you guys have mantu steamer? They never say no. Sometimes we bring it from Afghanistan. They feel like they don't have the steamers in, in the United States. Like I should, I should bring some from Afghanistan. Because <laughs> we always have mantus uh, on our table, always. Next week on Resettled, we'll release our final episode. Since some time has passed since our initial interviews in the series, we'll check back in with Fatma, Dadi, Ahmed, and Nuri and ask whether they truly feel resettled in Virginia. Of course not. (laughs) I have like a zillion questions in my head that I really need an answer for. Resettled is produced by Jilda DeCarli and edited by Kelly Jones. This episode was reported by our executive producer, Angela Messino. Our production manager is Gavin Wright. Steve Humble is VPM's chief content officer. And I'm your host, Ahmed Badr. Special thanks to Catherine Comp, Sarmina Wahidi, and Yasmin Juma. Music is by Sandhill and Blue Dot Sessions. Be sure to check out vpm.org resettled to see more photos and stories from our community. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Members are a fundamental part of VPM. Member support is especially vital right now. Through member support, we're able to provide timely and fact-based information, educational resources for our kids, and informative and entertaining content to keep minds active and engaged. Be a part of what makes VPM possible. Visit vpm.org donate to become a member today. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. VPM.